tonight we are looking at some of the worst predictions for the economy and your money from 2023. Did you listen to any of them? You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Strovac. Happens every year. Every year, January, late December, early January, everyone makes these huge prognostications. People want to hear what the experts think is going to happen. Yes, yes. So we went back uh, and looked at literally 500 different calls from Wall Street's armies of strategists uh, that went out in the beginning of January last year. All of these predictions that were made to say, okay, did any of this actually happen? And by the way, if you happen to be reading financial news in the first week of January of this year, you probably would have freaked out. Yeah. I don't. I mean, honestly, if I'd taken any of this seriously, I'd be in the fetal position, <laughs> like next to my mattress with all my money shoved under the yeah, mattress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, it, it's amazing. And every year people listen to these predictions. Yeah. And more than a couple of them, actually make investment decisions based on these predictions, which is scary. the really scary part. I, I I mean, some of these predictions, they they make weathermen look look like they're batting a thousand. It, you know, it, it's it's amazing. First of all, everybody, and, and we, we don't have to narrow it down to this bank or that bank or this brokerage firm, everybody assumed, didn't think there was going to be a recession. They assumed there oh, was going to be. Oh, they knew it was coming. Yeah. I, I mean, it, 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 what we were hearing was, well, you know, first quarter of 2023, we're going to have a recession. Why were they all so wrong? Well, if you go on past history, last time the Federal Reserve had to address inflation, late 70s, early 80s, that's what happened. And matter of fact, there were two brutal recessions. So obviously, that's the outcome of raising interest rates. Hasn't happened. Day ain't over, but... You know. Well, and you mentioned brutal recessions last time. That's exactly what some of these people were calling for yeah. this year. I remember yeah. reading headlines along the lines of, we haven't seen anything like what we're about to experience yeah. since the Great Depression. Yeah, that'll get your attention. That is going to get your attention. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the sky was falling left and right if you were to pay yeah. attention to the headlines last year. Obviously, we're at the end of 2023 now, and we know we had some rocky weeks in the market, a couple a few rocky months in the market. Yeah. We've also had some rebounding. Like it hasn't been terrible. The sky hasn't fallen. And by the way, we haven't seen that recession yet. Still waiting. With, with a week and a half left, I'm going to actually prognosticate myself and say, <laughs> Here's we're, Steve's we're, we're, we're not getting a recession this year in 2023. You're the smart I'm out man. On a limb. You're the smart man who waits until yeah. the end of the year and makes his prediction for 2023. Well, Maybe some other people could learn from you though. Um, I doubt that. But, but, but Deutsche Bank, I, I mean, when you hear things like Deutsche Bank, okay, it's the, I think the biggest bank in the world, but certainly the biggest in Germany. Um, it's not just a bank. I, I mean, they're investment bankers. They're they they employ a ton of brokers and and do initial public offerings and things like that. They're they're tied into all the markets worldwide, and they went out on a limb and said, you know what, we looks like we're we're beating a recession, and we're going to call for the Standard and Poor's to be as high as forty five hundred in twenty twenty four. Well, great call because it's already forty seven fifty. They've already beaten that, yeah. you know. So they they've raised it. To, to over 5,000. They've raised it to 5,150 for 2024. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, or it's amazing to me that they can be off that much and people still care about what their opinion is. 
I wish I got paid a ton of money to make major predictions that may or may not ever go right. You know, you think about, okay, here's the Bank of America, right? Also huge bank. Yeah. They said the U.S., Euro area, and U.K. would all see recessions this year. The rest of the world then would also weaken. The exception here, though, for them, China. China would be strong, yeah. Where are they getting this data from? I don't know, because they, they got the exact it 100% wrong. is the truth. Exactly. Yeah, China's weak, and, and the rest of the world's doing great. Exactly Seems to be okay. backwards. And Bank of America, you know, here again, I think they still own Merrill Lynch. I mean, they're... Yeah. They employ a ton of people that do nothing but crunch numbers, and yet they've got it that much, you know, just backwards, just totally backwards. Barclays, right, said the Fed's aggressive rate hikes is going to hit the world economy. They said advanced economies were going to slip into recession, uh, forecasted global growth less than 2%, one of the weakest years for the world economy in 40 years. And here's what they also said. Listen, here's all the things we're going to tell you is going to happen. As a result of that, we say you need to go to bond over stocks. And we would say also a healthy allocation to cash. So not only yeah. are they saying here's what we think is going to happen, they're saying here's what we think you should do because of it. If you had done that, let's talk about that. How'd the bond market do this year? Actually, in the last couple of weeks, it's it's been on fire. But, but on fire not is a for relative most of the year. Yeah, it's a relative term. For I, the I bond mean, market. Up, yeah, bonds are up five percent year to date as of today. Um, stocks, yeah, depending on which index you look at, a whole lot more. Yeah, Nasdaq is up forty percent. Uh, Standard and Poor's five hundred twenty five percent. Dow, I think, is 13, 14% somewhere in that range. I, I, I mean, it's amazing how much the stock market has gone up. But, you know, it, it, it never goes up in a straight line. It'll pull back, and then sure. people will say, I told you so. And maybe bonds were the smarter play over a shorter period of time. But you know what? That's what diversification is all about. A little bit of money in stocks, a little bit of money in bonds, a little bit of money in cash, and just stick with your plan. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovec, as we look back to January of this year, right? 11 and a half months ago, when all these economists and large banks making these predictions of what we could expect in 2023, difficult at that point to find any sort of positive news coming out. They were predicting hard landings for the economy after yeah. the Fed, raising interest rates, major recessions, global recessions. All kinds of terrible things that, as we sit about a week and a half out from the beginning of 2024, still haven't exactly well, what, come to pass. What scares me is they're all positive about next year. <laughs> oh, they're all no. saying the market's going to do well. Now so, run for the hills. So, so if they were so dang wrong in 2023 because they thought everything was going to crater and it didn't, that now they're saying everything's happy days are here again. We're going to make a ton of money in 2024. Should that scare me? I for know. some reason, it does. I don't know. Probably yeah. should. Fidelity, by the way, said that hard landing was the most likely outcome in 2023, a recession in the U.S., near certain in Europe and the U.K. I mean, just not seeing any of these things. Listen, and you have to understand, they're looking at the data for yeah. that time. Yeah. And I understand that Wall Street is always trying to look six to nine months out, but it's just like your life, right? You, you can make the best decisions about your life, your financial plan, whatever you're doing with the information that you have now. By tomorrow, literally everything could change, yeah. you know? And we see that time and time again. As, as long as I've been doing this radio show, I mean, there was a time when no one would have predicted Brexit. There was a time when no one was predicting global trade war or Chinese trade war. There was obviously a time when no one was looking at 
a global a pandemic and COVID-19 right, right. and all the things that we've gone through. So it's really easy on a given day of the year to sit down and say, I'm going to look at this data and I'm going to make this prediction. But the sure. problem I think for investors is you can read headline after headline and think, gosh, all of these people are saying really negative things. They have to be on to something. And I think that I should probably change my long-term financial plan as the result of what they're saying. And you, that's the scary stuff. You, you know what number I'm the most excited about? What number? The, the record number, the record amount of money in money market funds right now. I, I mean, I, I've and, and small investors don't drive the market, but they, they, they're part of the market. I hear from a lot of smaller investors that, well, you know, I, I'm nervous about what's going on overseas. At least I'm getting 4%. At least I'm getting 5% while I'm waiting for the dust to settle, while I'm waiting for things to settle down. The most bullish sign for stocks is record amounts of money in a money market because it doesn't stay there forever. Yeah. And and we're probably next summer going to see money market rates down one and a half, two percent. What are you going to do if you were getting five and happy with that? And now you're getting one and a half percent. You're going to start looking elsewhere. And, you know, maybe I should put some of that in an index fund. Maybe I should buy some stock. Maybe I should buy some bonds. And, and that is supply and demand. That's a whole bunch of demand entering any of those areas. And that's another big driver of the stock market in 2024. Well, and you're looking at this from the cycle, right? I mean, at 40 years of watching how these cycles yeah. go, knowing, okay, when a lot of people go to cash, when they go to money markets, that's when we're about to see a major rebound. But what I'm sad about is that same number because of the individual investors who yeah. put their money in cash yeah. and miss some really good days in the market. This They're year. trying to time the market. And, yes. you, and you can't do that. I, I mean, don't bet against stocks in the long run. In the long run, that's the key. And you should always be investing in the long run. And, and rule number two, when you get scared, see rule number one. Yeah. Don't bet against stocks in the long run. You're They're going to do fine. You're coming up on your retirement, right? I mean, yeah. we're literally a, a week and a half away from you retiring. Yeah. You could have easily looked at these the beginning of this year and said, oh my gosh, this is my last year working, right? I mean, you know, I should probably... You didn't do that. Why? Because no. you've been watching the market. You've seen history... You yeah. know, for so many years now, you know, that's exactly the worst thing that you could do going into a time yeah. when you're going to be living off of a fixed income. When things went down in 2022, I wish I had more money, be, yeah. be, you know, because that's that's when you want to move it into the market. When you and I would kind of talk yeah. after the show sometimes and I would say I wish I, I had a little I wish money I had more money anyway. But, yeah, we, we all do. Yeah. But whatever we had on the sidelines, right, we pushed yeah. it in. And we said, yeah. how crazy is it that there are people out there right now reading the headlines saying, I'm getting out, I'm getting out. Yeah. That's when you and I were getting in. Yeah, most most people do the wrong thing. Warren Buffett says it best, and and he gets excited when everybody else is scared. Yeah. Because he's buying when they're all getting out, and he's selling when they're all excited. Because if, if everybody agrees stocks are the best place to put money, there's, there's no more buyers. It, it has one place to go, and that's down. So Buffett is a smart guy. I'm not as smart as him, but you know what? In the long run, stick with your game plan. You're going to do fine. Well, and I like, yes, Buffett kind of gives these rules to live by when it comes to your money. There's a lot of other smart people, TD Securities, UBS, Vanguard. Yeah. I'm not saying they're not really smart people who are very well pedigreed. All of them calling for a global recession yeah. this year, right? Yeah. You read those things, you think I've got to do something about my long-term plan. It's the worst thing you can do. Here's the all worth advice. Your financial plan, it needs to reflect your long-term plans, not somebody else's predictions, regardless of who they are. Coming up next, we've got the staggering salary that one generation thinks they need in order to be happy. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial here on 55KRC, the 
Talk Station. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovec. If you can't listen to Simply Money every night, that's okay. We've got a daily podcast for you. Uh, just search Simply Money. It's right there on the iHeart app or wherever you find your podcast. Coming up at 643, we're delving into the after-tax 401k. We'll tell you what it is and whether it makes sense for you. If you pay property taxes in Cincinnati, City Council has voted to keep the rates the same until 2025 when bills will increase. If you're hearing this thinking, okay, this means maybe a reprieve, no. No, no. I, and, and I had to read this twice because it when I first read it, it sounded like, oh, taxes rates. aren't going up, right? Yeah. It's rates. So if you're paying 1% and the value of your house goes up 20%, the percentage didn't change, but you're paying more out of pocket. Absolutely. And and actually, in Cincinnati, residential properties are up about 32% this past year. Commercial, only about 16%. But, you know, they can keep the rates the same, and you're still going to be paying more. It's the double-edged sword, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, gosh, when you get on Zillow and you see how much your home is worth, you're like, oh, that's fantastic. I could get that much yeah, for until it. Until the well, bill comes. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, on a yearly basis, if you're not moving anywhere, that money doesn't necessarily mean anything to you. It does mean more out of your pocket. So yeah, they're saying freezing rates until 2025 when those rates will likely go up. Um, but at the same time, don't expect any kind of a, a break on anything because your yeah. property is probably well, worth more. Uh, voters were passing a bunch of levies. I mean, uh, CPS, um, uh, Preschool Promise, Hamilton County Children's Services, Public Library of Cincinnati and Hamilton County, Great Parks, Mental Health. I, I mean, these are levies that have all been increased. So at least I, I guess it's good news that they said, we're just going to freeze the rate, but hey, you know, it, when, when when it comes time for the bills and you're writing a check, you're not going to feel anything that yeah. anything great was given to you. Nope. Nope. Have you ever thought about this, right? How much money would it take for you to be happy? I mean, really happy. Well, some recent research was just released that said if you are a millennial, so between the ages of 27 and 42 years old, you apparently need a massive salary in order to be happy. Where does this come from? I, I, I mean, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, Austin Powers, I, I need about a million dollars. <laughs> exactly. But seriously, they- Millennials this, are saying half a million half a million dollars. dollars. $525,000 yeah. I'd love half a million salary bucks. In order to be happy, that's the highest among all the generations polled. And this is a Harris poll, right? I mean, very well-known yeah. research. Their desired salary more than triple what my generation, Gen X, said that they need in order to be happy. I think there's several things going on here. First of all, I've said many times on the show, I feel terrible for anyone who's trying to buy their first home yeah. right now. It seems impossible. It feels like they just keep moving the line further, the yeah. marker, further down that field. Uh, you know, when it was before interest rates were going up, you were in this competitive job, this competitive market where you were bidding $50,000 above what the asking price yeah, for that yeah. house was. I mean, gone were the days when they would start at a price and you would then negotiate down from there. So you have that. And then when that era, that era ends, well, now interest rates are that much higher, up around 9% and 8% at one point. So that's so much more costly. So you've got people who can't buy homes because they're so much more expensive, who are still paying off probably student loan debt, trying to start families. Kids are expensive too. It feels like a lot. So I guess if someone were to ask me, right, in that set of circumstances, yeah. 
I don't know, maybe half a million dollars would I don't sound wanna, like the I price I don't want to go through that again. No, I, I did it once. wouldn't want to go back. It is brutal. I mean, when your kids are growing and, and yeah, maybe you just got your first house, maybe you just had your second or third kid or something like that. And, and keep in mind, you know, it's not just money going out the door. This is the generation that went through 2008, 2009, the Great Recession, mm -hmm. COVID-19 pandemic, probably have a whole heck of a lot of student loan debt. Um, I've got two boys that are in this category. And yeah. yeah, I'm sure they would love to have half a million bucks a year, but you know, that ain't happening. There's a huge disconnect going on here because the average salary of a millennial of somebody that was born between 81 and 96 is $55,000. And they're it's saying not, they need 10 times yeah, that it's not to actually be $525,000. Good luck with that. So I think the question here is really, though, is money tied to happiness? Is there a correlation there? And it said 71% of Americans believe that having more money would actually solve a lot of their problems. And I think this can get really complicated. There was a, a big study, and this goes back to 2010, a well-known psychologist, uh, Daniel Kahneman, uh, actually, and they won some Nobel, uh, they won the Nobel Prize for this, but they found that if you made about $75,000 a year, you're maxed out. Yeah. You're as happy as you're going to be. That's the maximum amount of happiness that you're going it. to get. And there's been some subsequent research that says actually it can be even higher than that and you're probably going to feel much better. But I don't know. I mean, I know people who do really, really, really well and I, they don't necessarily seem exponentially happier because no. of it. And I agree. It's not tied to money. It, it's tied to what kind of person you are. And, and, you know, if you've always been broke, and my parents were like this, they they were always, always scrambling. And it was, if I just won the lottery, yeah. you know, my life would be great. If I just had a new car, my life would be great. Well, you know, I, I've done okay for myself. And when you achieve goals that, uh, well, maybe not the lottery, but when you achieve goals that you've been shooting for, it does, it's not fulfilling. It, yeah. It's just another financial goal that helps you get to the point in life where you can become financially independent and retire. See, see how I tied that around. <laughs> back to you, the one who's on the verge exactly. of retiring. You know, though, I do think back, Steve, to my early 20s when, and for most of us, we are struggling right out of college, sure. you know? I mean, bills are high. You're trying to, you know, we bought our first house. We could barely afford it. I remember, you know, thinking, okay, like, are all the bills going to go through without any checks bouncing this yeah, month? And yeah. I remember the first Christmas, we could spend $50 on each other. And that was a stretch, you know? Yeah. And and so I just, I just think like, for those of you in this place where you're just thinking like, if I could have more money, I don't, I don't know but that it does. But five hundred and twenty-five thousand. Yes, exactly. You know, that's the problem I've got with right. this segment. Come on, it's a stretch. I think it's a stretch for anyone. I mean, right? Who even at the best of your highest earning years is going to be at half a million dollars? That's a lot of money. And so I, to always think that you have to get somewhere else in order to be happy, I'm a huge fan of trying to find contentment, right? Wherever yeah. you are. And yeah, I understand if you have credit card debt, but maybe 2024 then is the year where you tackle that credit card debt. Yeah. You get debt under control. You get a, an emergency fund set aside. You don't need a half a million dollars to be able to do those things. You know what that does buy? It does buy peace of mind. Um, I'll, I, I'm willing to experiment. <laughs> and if someone will give me $525,000 for a year, I'm willing to see how happy I am. That's big of you. It's it quite is. the research it's a dirty, project. Dirty job, but somebody's got to do Major it. Major sacrifice from you, Steve. We really appreciate you doing that. Here's the all worth advice. True happiness, well, it's not going to come from money, but financial independence, independence can lead to happier days.
So how do you know whether what you're buying online is real? We've got our cybersecurity expert in next with a warning you need to hear. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner. Tis the season. Holiday shopping. And let's face it. Many of us are doing our shopping online these days. Gosh, when I look back over the last 10 years, I used to do all of my shopping in stores. Now it's 95%, if not more, of it online. So how do you protect yourself from scammers? Joining us to make sure that we are not taken by any scrooges or grinches this holiday season is, of course, our tech expert, Dave Hatter from Intrust IT. Dave, you're telling us that fake sellers are everywhere online right now. I'm sure that's shocking to you, right, Amy? Uh, <laughs> yeah. We always say wherever the money is, that's where the scammers are. Yeah, I know you're taken totally off guard by by this admission that scammers are everywhere. And, and you're you're exactly right. Wherever their money and mm-hmm. the people are, that's where scammers are going to go because yep. you know it's, it's easy pickings for them to some extent. So, you know, as always, the first step in this stuff is awareness that this is a thing so that you can be extra vigilant. And then, you know, when you get out there, a lot of the old advice still holds true. If something seems to be too good to be true, which I know you guys say all the time on here, it's probably too good to be true. Now, you know, there's a lot of other things you need to know and red flags you need to look out for. But if you just start out with those two things in mind, knowing there's a lot of scams, and if you want more evidence of this, go check out like the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center, which is full of tips, by the way, of mm. how to avoid scams like this and other scams that are prevalent. But, you know, this time of year, the bad guys know the people are trying to buy stuff online. They're trying to get good deals and, and they're going to scam you if you make it easy for them. It's just that simple. Well, and Dave, I think a lot of th- every year there is a hot toy, a hot electronics thing, a hot device, whatever it is that everyone's trying to get their hands on. And so if that's on your kid's Christmas list or you know, you're trying to buy it, you're going to Google that thing. And it pops up and, oh, this is $50 cheaper than anywhere else I've seen it. Not on Amazon site, not on Walmart site, some site you don't know. Uh, what do you do? Well, you know, first off, Amy, you, you brought up sort of a tertiary angle on this that I think is important. People need to understand that when you go search online, and I'm not going to say Google because I don't recommend you use Google. I'd use something like DuckDuckGo or StartPage or a, a privacy-friendly known search better. engine mm-hmm. like that. But when you search for things online, understand there's a whole concept called search engine poisoning, where the bad guys will go pay money to get their stuff to show up in legitimate search engines like Google or DuckDuckGo, Hmm. because it gives it an air of authenticity, right? If you go to Google and you search, you know, and this this is not a knock against any of these search engines. The the volume is too much. They can't verify this stuff. Someone pays, their stuff comes up the top, you click on it. It's, it's important for people to understand just because something shows up in a search engine does not mean it's legit. So that's the first thing. And then, you know, the secondary thing is if you are dealing with a reputable retailer, Target, Walmart, Kohl's, you know, any of those big players, mm-hmm. you know, and assuming you're not clicking links or text that you got, because those are obviously easily spoofed, uh, you know, you're, you're probably going to be okay. But as soon as you get an email with a deal that's too good to be true, or you see something on social media with a deal that's too good to be true, you know, any of that sort of stuff for the hot toy or whatever, whatever it is you're looking for. As soon as you end up in something like eBay or Etsy or Amazon marketplace or Facebook marketplace or any of those things, 
you know, all bets are off at that point because, you know, not only could you use a search engine to land there, but you, you click a bogus link. These things look very realistic. You know, it's a, it's a caveat emptor buyer beware situation at that point because there's no way to know if the stuff is really real until you unfortunately may have sent money that you're never going to get back. The items don't show up, et cetera. So ho hopefully parents that makes sense. Parents too, like, please make sure your children know this. I don't know if I've ever even shared this story before, but um, my daughter bought a pair of what she thought were real Michael Jordan shoes a few years ago. And I mean, she saved for months and months and months to buy these shoes. Uh, they were yep. way more than I would have ever paid or would have thought that anyone should ever pay for shoes, but she loved them. It was her money. It was her choice. Uh, a couple of years later, she realized, I don't actually wear these very much. And so there's a, a, a place in Northern Kentucky where you can take those shoes and they'll give you, you know, pennies in the dollar, but some money for those shoes. Yeah. So uh, she goes in and he's saying, oh, these look really great. I'm going to call the manager and you have him look at them. We can probably give you a, a pretty penny for these. She's feeling really good about herself until the owner of the store comes in, takes one look at the shoes, one look at the box and says, these are fake. They're worth like $15. And, uh, and she was flabbergasted. And, oh, sure. But it's the site and all these celebrities are going on the site. It, it doesn't matter. And she wasted several hundred dollars of hard-earned babysitting money and all the chores and all the things on something that really wasn't worth anything. Yeah, Amy, you make a really good point. You run the risk of getting counterfeit goods. You run the risk of getting nothing at all or something defective, depending on what it is. And, you know, while it's always a good idea to take a look at like the seller's reviews and so forth, understand that those can be easily faked in many mm -hmm. cases. So, so just because there's a lot of positive reviews, especially if it's over a short period of time, that's kind of a red flag too. You know, if there's a, there's a really long seller history and the reviews are positive, that's probably a good sign. Although, you know me, I'm a tinfoil hat paranoid nut. I don't trust anything. Yeah. Um, well, and I also yeah. feel bad as a parent, right? I What I should have done yeah. had I had more time was at least research that name of that seller and um, negative reviews or scams, right? Those words together and what would have come up, what I later found was a long list of people complaining about that person. My daughter at the time was 14, 15 years old. She didn't think of that. So I just like say, parents and grandparents, if your kids are asking for something that's holiday season, don't just go by the links. Do your research. And if they're saving money to buy something with their, their money from the holidays afterwards, make sure you're involved in that process and that you're educating them. Yeah, you're you're right. Right. And that's I mean, that's a terrible uh, way to learn a hard lesson. Hopefully going forward, she'll yeah. be a lot more skeptical. She but knows again, better now. It's it's so important to have awareness about these things and to be skeptical. Yeah, again, if a deal seems too good to be true, it probably is, you know, and it's so easy to spoof things, whether it's a review, a whole website, um, you know, an email, a text message. You just got to be extremely vigilant because if you make it easy, the scammers will steal your money and they're you know actively out there trying to get your money. So what do you say? If you had a couple of top tips for how to shop smarter this holiday season, what would you say they were? Well, I think the simplest thing, and I realize this is, you know, kind of limit your options, but the simplest thing is just stick to the major retailers, you know, stick to the Walmarts, the targets of the world and initiate those transactions yourself. Even if you get an email, it claims to be like an amazingly good deal that ends today at five or something, right? And mm -hmm. it looks like it came from Walmart. Because I know the average person isn't really going to be able to look at that and know for sure it's fake, unless it's obviously fake. But I want to point out to people, thanks to AI, it's, you know, all the old red flags we would talk about with phishing and so forth 
are increasingly going away because they can use those tools to produce really high quality stuff. So that's another thing you have to understand is the quality of the phishing is going up. So you know, if you get a text, an email, you see something on social media and it seems like a deal is too good to be true from one of the major retailers, then go there on your own, open up the Walmart site, open up the Target, Amazon, whatever, and then search on there and try to find it. You know, and if you can't find it, well, that's an interesting red flag in and of itself. You know, if you're if you're going to purchase things online, you're better off minus the debt load. And you guys talk about this all the time to use a credit card. because You have a lot better consumer protections. Yeah. You can get a one a one use credit card, a virtual, you know, one off credit card. You, you'll have to talk to your bank or look at the companies that provide this sort of thing. But you can get a credit card that will, you know, substantially limit your risk because you can say put this much money on here and it can only be used one time so the, the good news is you probably have more options than ever before to protect yourself but you have to know about these things and again you kind of have to have a healthy dose of skepticism and not let yourself get enamored with a shiny object or a great deal that shows up that feels like it's too good to be true and you got to act right now because you know that's part of the social engineering they're trying to get you to act before you've thought about it carefully and you know that's how you unfortunately end up in these situations in many cases. Well, the worst gift at all, right, would be to be a victim of a scam this holiday season. So great tips, yep. great advice as always from our tech expert, Dave Hatter from Intrust IT. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Do you have a financial question that's keeping you up at night? You and your spouse just aren't on the same page about? There's a red button you can click on while you're listening to the show. It's right there on the iHeart app. Record your question. It's coming straight to us. We'd love to help you figure that out. And straight ahead. If you hate those baggage fees, maybe toting all that luggage along with you, we've got another option for you. Could you ship the bags? We'll tell you if that makes sense. You've got a 401k. Uh, you know that the money that you're contributing won't be taxed until it comes time to withdraw it. But there's limits on how much you can put into that 401k. So for those of you who we would say are super savers, like the A++ savers, you might be wondering, what are my other options? Well, you might have some. Well, and, and we've talked a lot about Roth 401ks. We just started seeing those come out in the last couple of years. That's after-tax money that you can put in your 401k and with certain uh, strings attached, can come out tax-free down the road. Well, there's something that predates a Roth IRA, and that's an after-tax 401k. And, and some people listening may have had one of these at some point. A lot of the manufacturers here in town offered after-tax 401ks. What is that? Well, you know, you're limited in how much money you can put in tax-free uh, into your 401k, pre pre-tax, I should say. And that limit, if you're over 50, is about $30,000 plus the match. Okay, but you can actually put more money in. This year, the maximum is about 66000 that you can put combined between your money and your company's match. And if you're over 50, $73,500. So in other words, if you want to do that and your 401k has an after-tax contribution feature, Knock yourself out. You you can put a lot of extra money in it. Not everybody's plan offers this, right? That's one huge yeah, about two out of ten. caveat yeah. here. Yeah, so okay, 20% of plans, this is an option. We've definitely seen them uh, here locally in Cincinnati and some of the major um, 
employers do offer these. Um, I want to though get your take on it. As you yeah. know, I'm a huge fan of health savings accounts. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm thinking, okay, if you are a super saver and you've maxed out your 401k, does it make sense to continue to put money into that 401k? Is this kind of the best option? I don't know that I feel that it is. I Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of these. It's for the people that want to load up on their 401k, it's a way you can put more money in. Here's what happens when you retire. The after-tax contributions comes out of the plan. The earnings stay in and the earnings continue to grow, but your contributions come out. You're not taxed on them because you already paid tax on right. the contributions. So what's the value there? Well, okay, if you've done it year after year after year, you get a little extra money working for you in the 401k. But I think there's two other things that you might want to look at. I think the HSA is a great situation if you're willing to go down the road of a high deductible health care plan. If that makes sense for you. Yeah, if that family, makes sense for absolutely. you, you can load up a lot of money because that's kind of triple tax free. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it a pretty a good deal. It is a gift from the government. And as we all know, they don't give us many yeah. of those. And and I also, and, and this is kind of old school, but a plain old fashion, fashion joint investment account. Agreed. Makes a taxable sense. account. Yeah. And brokerage it, account. It's, you're, you're giving up great tax deferral today. But when you start taking that money out in retirement, you pay a heck of a lot less tax on a joint investment account than you do on an IRA or a 401k distribution. So what you really want to do as you move towards retirement is know where the, the money is and what the taxation is for each bucket. On an IRA or a 401k, yeah, you take out $10,000 over the course of a year, that's $10,000 of income and you're going to pay a pretty hefty tax rate on that. You take $10,000 out of a joint investment account, well, maybe $1,000 of that is is uh, profit. So you would only pay tax on the profit and that's at a lower rate. So you pay a, a lower rate on just $1,000. On the after-tax money, you're putting more into your 401k and that means when the earnings come out along with your normal contributions, that's just that much more taxable income that you're going to be drawing on. There's no huge tax advantage for it. It's really just a way to load up on being able to put more money in a 401k if you've got that feature. Well, and I could see seeing that you have that feature if you have it and saying, well, what could possibly be bad about putting more money yeah. into my 401k, right? We're not saying that there's anything bad about it, but we're questioning whether it is the best thing right. that right. you can do. Now, if you've already maxed out a health savings account, if that high deductible health care plan makes sense for you uh, and IRAs and you have a, a substantial amount of money in a, in a taxable brokerage account, okay, maybe you do that. Um, but I like the point that you're making on the flexibility that you have when you get to retirement of having money and those different buckets, right? The, the Roth bucket where you've already paid taxes, the tax deferred, uh, the capital gains bucket, all of those things give you options to say, oh, we need to get a new roof this year. Okay, where is that money best right, coming right. from? What's the best strategy to take that money out? It just gives you so many more options. And I think the more options you can have in retirement, right? When that money, when those paychecks aren't rolling in anymore, the better off you are. Here's I, the all worth advice. If you are a high earner and want your investments to grow tax deferred, well, after tax 401k contributions might make sense for you. We would also say, though, explore other options first, maybe like a health savings account. Coming up next, we've got an unusual way to save on baggage fees that might make sense that could also cost you more. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial here on 55KRC, the talk station. 
You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Spurvak. I will say I love to travel, but one of the things that I hate about traveling that has happened over the past decade or so is paying those darn baggage fees. fees. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, well, you can pay this amount of money and you actually can just stand up on the plane. But if you want a seat or you want to take any luggage yeah. with you, you have to pay extra. So I think people are trying to get a little creative uh, and find ways around these baggage fees. And one of them is to actually ship your baggage wherever you are going uh, yourself. I don't know. It sounds like it could be a good idea. I, I don't know. Well, our, our friend Al Riddick has done it. And, and, and I do love Al Riddick, and, and I think Al, he's very smart. Al is the kind of guy that if it can save him a buck, he doesn't care if it 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 takes five hours. If it saves him fifty nine cents, he's exactly. going to do exactly. Yeah, and, and he has done this. He has gone ahead and shipped luggage to his destination. You don't have to wait on baggage claim; it's showing up at the house. And in some cases, can be cheaper. I looked into it on one of, one of my baseball trips because I've got this huge catcher's uh, gear, and, and no, it was twice as much as what the airline was charging. And there was no guarantee it was going to get there in time. Yeah, you know, so you got to look at this stuff before you do it. So f for the record, there are new websites that are popping up that are offering those. Um, one of them is Lugless. And I actually got on this website today just to look at it. And I just, you know, I put in, okay, if I was flying from CVG to Las Vegas sometime in January. And then it says, oh, okay, starting at... $25. And so then you can click on that and then it gives you multiple options across the page. So it's like FedEx was $25, UPS, but I mean up to okay. a, over $100. Okay. Um, but then it gives you options like, oh, if you want it, if you don't want to ship that 47 days in advance, it's going to cost you this amount. Uh, or you're going to have to drop it off and pick it up 75 miles outside of the city, right? So it's like if you want it in any way to be convenient to you, you're going to pay probably a couple hundred dollars to ship that. Well, and I, I don't think it makes I, any And sense. at least with the airline, you know, most of the time at least, it's going on the same airplane you are, right? Yeah. You know, on, on shipping it like this, is it really going to get there in time? I had baggage lost one time and it just ruined our vacation. I, mm. I mean, it took three days before it showed up and it was only a five day vacation anyway. So, you know, we're instead of enjoying the beach on Key West, we're at a Walmart buying underwear. Yeah. You don't want that so to happen. Fun. Yeah. I, I understand. And I just think like, gosh, I, I hate these fees and I'm open to trying something different. But if it's going to cost a lot of money and be insanely inconvenient, I'd rather lug that luggage to the airport. Now, we did have an issue this year where we got stuck in New York for several days on okay. the way back from a girl's trip. Uh, and my aunt has jokingly said she's learned like you put all the essentials into your carry on yeah. bag so that it's with you all the time. I think there are smart ways that you can pack. I think this is an interesting new option. I think we'll see more websites offering this. And maybe the more competition there is, the cheaper it'll become. Right now, I don't know that it makes a lot of sense. Thanks for listening tonight. We hope you're going to tune in tomorrow. We're talking about common investing mistakes that you need to avoid. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial here on 55KRC, the talk station.